Are you tired of scrounging YouTube and trying to find jujitsu technique videos only to be let down by stuff that doesn't work or different camera shots that you don't totally understand? Well, I have a great resource for you. TFSJujitsu.com is an online archive that has tons of different techniques from gi and no gi, from everything from submissions to defenses to takedowns. It was all put together by Jiu-Jitsu black belt Ben Tallini. His one focus in mind was to put together a large database with stuff that actually works and with good, solid content. The videos feature many different instructors from the Syracuse area, and he puts a lot of thought and consideration into putting the website together. So if you want an online resource full of great videos and great technique, of stuff that actually works, tfsjujitsu.com is your place to go. That's tfsjujitsu.com. November 14th at 7 p.m., I will be DMing a Dungeons & Dragons one-shot called The Wild Sheep Chase. My friend Mike Spuches and my friend Dennis Segrew will be running through the adventure. And... The good thing is I get to hang out with my friends and play some Dungeons & Dragons, and we get to raise some money for a really good cause. Uh, We're going to raise money for the CNY Food Bank, and we figured with Thanksgiving around the corner that they could really use all the extra cash they could get. Now, I don't want you to feel pressure to donate if you want to just come to the Twitch channel, hang out. We set a goal of 1000 bucks. It's a little high, but uh, we kind of wanted to set the bar high and see, see what we could do. I'm very excited to DM for the very first time in front of all you guys. It'll be fun, nerve-wracking. So come join us November 14th at 7 p.m. at my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash frothylawson. I will see you guys there. This episode of the podcast, I sat down with my friend Chris Roach. I've been training with Chris for a long time, and we've always had conversations on and off the mat from jujitsu to random stuff about life. He's a very genuine person, and I feel like if I'm in a position that I need to talk things out or I need a a different perspective, Chris is always there to kind of lend his his thoughts without being biased, which is hard to come by. Chris is a very genuine person. And he's super intelligent when it comes to business stuff and jujitsu. And man, he's a good dude. All right. Enough blowing smoke up his ass because I'm sure he doesn't like this part of the podcast. So I hope you enjoy this episode with my good friend, Chris Roach. Cool. Chris, thanks for doing a podcast with me. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. I think I have to start. Like, I think I have to speak directly into this. The other mic was like a, uh, they call it a snowball mic, so you could talk anywhere and it would collect the audio, but this is a little bit different setup. You're pretty loud and clear. Oh, really? Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even better. Chris, how, uh, how has quarantine COVID been treating you? It has largely 
been uh, pretty much normal except for not being able to go to the gym. Um, we've worked at my shop. You know, we've worked every day. Uh, I've done my own stuff. Uh, my work's been pretty normal. So for me, it's it's really been like just kind of everything normal except for after work. Um, at the end of the day, instead of going to the gym or being in a hotel and finding the gym to go to, uh, I just go home. <laughs> so yeah, I guess right. my quarantine life is pretty much like everyone else's normal life if they don't go to the gym after work six days a week. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. It's uh, w- Before you did the shop, before you owned Terry's, Terry's Transmission, Do you uh, what were you doing before? Because I remember you explained it to me in a very long thing, and I just I still didn't understand it. I mean, the simple explanation is I buy businesses. So if uh, you own a company or your shareholders own the company and you decide that we want to get bigger or we have I, I'm the one that will come in and kind of happen, do the deal. Um, so almost like an agent, although I'm in, technically an employee, I'm not an uh, independent director or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I come in and negotiate of sales of businesses. You just buy yeah, out yeah. companies. Work for a company just like anybody else. Huh? You just you you're like you buy out large companies. Yeah. So say uh, you have a company that manufactures uh something, whatever. Um and you have a competitor that manufactures the same thing and you get some money together and you say, Let's go buy those guys out, so we'll just own that and we'll create a whole thing. I go in and I go talk to your competitor, the other company, your supplier, your distributor, whoever that is, and we come up with a price and we buy him out. Oh, shit. So I basically, yeah. You're like the negotiation guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I come up with a value. I do the negotiations and then I uh, kind of integrate it into the new company and that's a whole other part of the art. Holy shit. What's the yeah. biggest buyout that you've done? Like, Have you dealt with a really large-scale company? Yeah, I've done them in the billions. I mean, I've done. Jesus. We did a company in Ohio that was a two billion dollar company. So, oh my god. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of moving pieces to that. And in the middle of it all, the guy, my boss, got fired. So uh, that was that. Jesus. Pretty much put me in charge of it, and that uh, was certainly interesting. Holy shit! Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you ever get nervous going into like negotiation? Like that's got to be kind of nerve wracking. Or are these guys pretty much against the ropes and looking for anybody to buy them out? Like, what kind of position it's- are they in? It's always different. A lot of times what I always kind of look for is third and fourth generation owned companies or even sometimes second generation, but usually third or fourth where they've completely lost interest in it. They like the money, but they don't have anything to do with the business. You know, the great grandfather was a engineer and a welder and a sales guy and a business guy. And then the, you know, the grandson was, you know, he, the son, I should say was, he was into it, but, and by the time it gets to that third and fourth generation, they've either blown it up or destroyed it. And, uh, so a lot of times you'll find these really good legacy names that have been around and established in businesses for a long time, but the the third, fourth, fifth generation ownership isn't reinvesting. They're taking that money out for themselves. Um, so Interesting. you've got a great name, but maybe not such a great product anymore. So uh, you know, I'd represent a company that would come in and buy that company out, Holy and then shit. sort of revive it. We don't buy and flip these. That's one thing I don't. I've never done that. Not that I wouldn't. It just I haven't. Um, these aren't buy and flips or, or buy and separate them out and sell off the assets. The companies I've, I've always bought and done business with are companies that are buying other companies with the intentions of reinvesting them and expanding them and integrating them into their own company. 
Oh, shit. So you, like, you buy them out, and you're just looking to expand. That's basically the end goal for you, then. Yeah, yeah. It's So it's it's kind of a little bit more positive thing than some of the other, like, private equity stuff you hear of where they'll buy it and then just strip it clean and sell yeah, the assets and knock something. Yeah, I, I don't do that. Not for any sort of moral high ground. It's just that that's just not what I do. There are people who do that, and they do it very well. Um, that's not what I do. I Like I said, I, I buy businesses that we want to uh, – and keep them going and reinvest in and uh you know create the future that they deserve not the one they're necessarily destined for it's interesting that you said not because morally <laughs> like you just do it you're like eh, i'm not interested you're like you're not trying to find a, some kind of moral card to cash in on you know what i mean no i you know I, it's it's certainly i think in the grand scheme of things a little bit more noble than what i do than what some of those guys do and because you're not going into a plant to fire a bunch of workers. You're going in there to tell them not only we're going to hire you, we're going to invest in new equipment. We're going to invest in safety programs and do better healthcare. And we're going to do all these good things because the company's going to do better. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's a, it's a certainly a nicer thing to do. It's a lot more complicated than buying stuff and just, just, you know, stripping it out and selling it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, it didn't, it's not like I chose this as a, as a moral high ground. It just, it's, it's a lot more um, complicated. There's a lot more to it. Uh, there's a lot more to go wrong. It's much higher stakes. So it's 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 yeah. just different. It's not better or worse. Especially when you're talking about buying out a a billion dollar company. Like my palms are sweating. Like I just negotiate a house, right? Like that's that's a fraction. I mean, it depends on on the level of house, but you're talking in the billions, dude. That's a big deal. Well, I mean, even a twenty million dollar house is just a house. There's no departments in the house there's no um intellectual property involved in the house there's no assets the house doesn't own other houses you know That's all that I stuff never think of uh, what did you intellectual property that is yeah right I never think of very much yeah i i mean the company a couple companies we bought or went after just to get their intellectual property not that we necessarily even wanted their plants or their their workers um but they had patents on things you might want or um uh-huh. Just, just tribal knowledge of how to do something that that uh, you know, one company may not know how to do, but if we could buy this, they know how to do that. So let's uh, go see if we can acquire them. Then you can kind of merge the two together and kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is it yeah. mostly manufacturer companies that you work with? Yeah, I only do industrial and manufacturing. And again, not that it's there's anything wrong with other stuff. It's just you can only know so much. I, I like industrial manufacturing. I like that I can. If you told me you sold four thousand or something, I can go out and count them. You know, it's not uh, subscribers or impressions or things that, you know, and that, that, there's certainly a whole lot more money in tech and biopharma and stuff like that. But I don't understand it, yeah, whereas yeah. I do understand manufacturing. Okay. You know, it's just simpler. Yeah, so, that's a good yeah. way to put it. Uh, you can actually go out and, like, count that shit. Because I, I yeah. can't imagine on the rise of technology with, like, uh, influencers selling shit. Like, I don't. You can't count that like subscribers and impressions. What the fuck is yeah? What the fuck is that? Yeah, no, and you could totally make that up, like just because you know billboards have impressions. Like I, I couldn't tell you what's on any of them, but they, <laughs> you know, yeah, there's right. there's a value to that, I guess. But uh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, so all that tech stuff, like I said, certain not to knock it. There's there's way more money doing that than what I do, but um, I just I don't understand it, and um, I just think that you do better when you understand things, and I, and I don't have the like uh, this is what I do. It's what I've done since, you know, high school and college, and or well, college really. Um, oh, shit, you've done this since college, same company. 
No, no, a bunch of different companies. But after college, I got invested. I got hooked up with a company that was doing this kind of across the country. They were going out and buying out all these little failing family businesses and then making them into one big one. And then that came off the tracks. And it was a great idea, but the CEO of the company got fired for other reasons. And oh, yeah. and then so I went to another company and got stuck in their M&A division and helped, you know, company. Same things. Companies buy other companies. Damn. Um, yeah. Like, man, that I don't know. When we started talking about, like, the negotiations and everything, I don't know. Especially, are you negotiating you versus, like, a board of people? Or is it usually just, like... I'm it's um person usually most of the time it comes down to me and one other person i mean they may have a board if it's a publicly traded company and, and so do we um you know we have people we got to go through but no most of the time it comes down to me and one other person and how much we like each other i mean that's it's when i first started doing this i always thought that there's these super geniuses at the top of these companies that have mbas and phds and can count the numbers and and you realize that they're just some shithead like me who like has emotions and doesn't like you or does like you and wants you to succeed or wants you to fail. Right. And, um, and you, you sit in a room and you hash it out. I mean, no, no differently, literally no differently than you and I would do, or you and a, a buyer or a seller would do. I mean, they're just yeah. a little bit more higher, you know, a little higher caliber people sometimes cause you're dealing with, you know, big companies, but you know, not a $75,000 starter house in North Syracuse. Um, right. and, and not, you know, the, it just you know, a little bit more. That's certainly not to knock those kind of people because I, I was totally. one of those people at one time. But yeah, totally. Um, you know, by the time you've risen up to these companies, you, you're a little more sophisticated than that. But at the end of the day, you're still just a person who you have to get what you have to get, and I have, you know, I can give what I can give, and that's it. Um, yeah, right. Do you, you know, have I just, like a system in place when you go into one of those meetings? Like, okay, this is how much money's in my pocket. This is what I can toy with. And then, do you have like a rhythm or a routine that maybe you? work with yeah i certainly i know uh, yeah you have to know what you can, what you have in your back pocket and you know what you can offer and what you really have um i've always been pretty fortunate to work for companies big enough to make it some level of cash offer they may be financing in the background but the company's not collateral like when you sell a house and get a mortgage the house is the collateral right so if the house is worth a thousand you can get a mortgage for ninety thousand or however that works these days you used to get a mortgage for one hundred and twenty thousand. if the horse was a house was worth a hundred thousand but um no, so yeah, so I know what I have. I generally know what they have to get, and and like I said, you just kind of sit down and hash it out, and you try and be likable, you try and be cordial, and hopefully everyone comes out of it friends. Sometimes those people are going to come to work with us afterwards. Um, so you you want things to be on good terms, but they don't have to be. I mean, it's yeah. not it's not personal. That's the thing. It's not this isn't personal. It's just I, I hate that term. It's just business. You know, I'm going to screw you over. It's just business. It's not. It's yeah. just. Like this is what we have to give, and if this doesn't work for you, then by all means, don't take it. It's you don't. I don't have a gun to your head. I'm not going to yeah. beat the shit out of you, even though I easily could. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm a black belt jiu-jitsu. I yeah, I mean, like, what I, the fuck I'm doing? I could, you know, strangle you in two seconds, but I'm not gonna. Do you know? So you this, know what's you funny know. is when I talked to Mike uh, a couple weeks ago, he said that he's like, now I'm. I was used to be a pro MMA fighter, and here I am with. Karen arguing about <laughs> an oil yeah. filter, and I could beat you. I could beat this person up for crying out yeah, loud. Yeah, yeah, I kill you in under a minute. You're dead. Like no questions <laughs> asked. You don't even stand a chance. You're like a newborn gazelle, and I'm a 600 pound lion. Like there, it's not. There's not even going to be a resistance. Like, 
but I'm not going to do that. But no, like I said, it's, it's, here's what we can do. And if you like it, great, let's do something. If you don't, that's fine. Find somebody else. How do you, you find know, these companies? Is it, does your, what's the name of your company? I probably shouldn't say that publicly. I don't know if they know I'm, what, okay. what we're doing. No, or, yeah, fine. just because they are a big publicly traded company and I, I don't, yeah, don't want to uh, condone this. So I don't yeah, want to yeah, get no. them too involved. I like, certainly uh, have, it's they... not a secret. I'll tell anyone off air, but I don't want, you know, I don't want to go on out oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Do you, do they like tell you the companies to look for or are the companies? Well, a lot of times that's why they hire me is they know what they want to do, but they're not quite sure how to do it or how to go about it. So they bring me in to to do that. And then I, I, you know, just you you get some targets and you you just poke around and ask a little bit. And if you get a warm reception and, you know, you talk a little more, if you get a hard no, you there's a company in Ohio I've been trying to buy for 15 years now. And the guy is I'm just waiting for the guy to die. Um (laughs) <laughs> and he's gone. He's like 84 years old, but he just refuses to sell the thing. And uh, just for pride? No, I just it's a great company. It's a great company. He's done nothing with it. Um, it's just a tax write off, and it's like we could do so much with this, but you won't let it go. So, oh, um, but it's it's he's just he's a hard no every time. He I buy companies, I don't sell companies. It's like you're doing nothing with this thing. Just let us take it over. Yeah, right. Well, I don't know. Some people have like a like a hard line that they draw, I guess. And you know, that's one thing I. I've learned in negotiation is like that guy doesn't seem like he's emotional though, does he? No, no, no. Okay, because that's like when you start bringing emotions into the into the discussion, that's when people start to shut down like that. But, yeah, well, and I've done that too. I've I've gone to deal with companies, and you realize, okay, you're a cocky asshole. I'm just not going to deal with you. You mm-hmm. you can go find a better offer somewhere else. Fine, no, yeah. I, they never do. I mean, if I'm going, I'm serious. I'm not. I'm not going just to. And we have the money. It's not like we're you're getting this and hoping we can put it together. Like if I'm talking to you, it's going to happen. If you want it to happen, and then then sometimes you just get a bad vibe about somebody. You're like you know, I'm just. I don't care. We're just not doing this. I'll find somebody else. Damn, that's interesting. That's totally yeah. true too. When I uh, when I started in real estate, I would say yes to everybody and anyone, right? And then I learned the lesson the hard way when I learned when I worked with the this uh very old guy very uh he kind of like fits the the typical stereotype like he's he's de- he was definitely a little racist definitely very mm-hmm. sexist mm-hmm. just kind of all around an asshole to me and i just dealt with him for like months when i should have just been like nah i'm gonna fire i'm gonna fire you as, as oh yeah know. yeah no it's, you don't it's not the it's the deals you don't make that are the one of the winners you know yeah. it's you can always make something happen. It's the ones you don't waste your time on. A, a, a big time, a guy I'm friends with, kind of Instagram star, or was brothers an Instagram star, told me that that <laughs> with po- with poker, um, it's not it's not the hands you win, it's the hands you don't play that put you way ahead. I was oh. like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. You Is know? that how uh, Terry's kind of fell into your lap, or were you looking for more like a personal buy? No, I, Mike needed a job. <laughs> So. <laughs> Mike needed a job, so you're like, and what he, business and he likes I cars. And put him in so. position. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no. I, um, I, I, God, I don't even remember where I saw it, but it kind of piqued my interest, and I thought, well, I'll just at least ask about it. I was like, oh, actually, that is a really good business, and I looked at the numbers, and actually, they're pretty strong, and the real estate's beautiful. It's a great spot, great piece of land, and a really great street. Um, 
So I just, there are really no good reasons to not do it. Um, the price was a little, probably a little high. I probably might have overpaid a little bit for it, but long run, I mean, that'll, that's a winner. And Mike does do a fantastic job running the place. I mean, it's he, he, he and Miranda and the guys out back really make it work. And uh, so, yeah, it really, I, I bought it as purely as an investment and it's been great. That's what I, that's what I was going to say is it's this buying out of companies is not like a short term, like, so this is like a this is for the long haul. Like you're gonna uh, put a chunk of change yeah. down in the beginning. So what yeah. kind of like how long are you waiting until you get a return on your investment? Um, I'm starting to see it now. Actually, not by um, by next next spring next summer that'll be returning really well. Um, Damn. But that's yeah, cool. it, it, I mean that's that's five years and that's really very short term in the business world. I mean it's, it's I know guys who've owned stuff for sixty and eighty years and it's and they've just continued to keep it going i mean and that's what and that's see that's like you realize that's how there's a couple there's lots of different ways of generational wealth is built but with the companies i'm buying where it's like i said the fourth fifth generation like the grand the great great grandfather started the grandfather kept it going yeah. and by the time you know the the founder never got rich off it like he he made a living but he never got rich the kids did pretty well now the grandkids or the great grandkids or how far you want to go they're getting rich off it because it takes you know 100 plus years sometimes to really build that generational wealth now like you said you take things like twitter or mark zuckerberg with facebook you know there's those that instant robot. billionaires like they're out there but they're that's that's very 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 rare i mean it's yeah a lot of a lot of the true wealth is built generationally over years and years and years um and always kind of my intention with terry's was to use it you know until i'm done with it till i've been repaid my investment and then just give it to the guys like i'm just gonna you guys can have it and then you can because a lot, none of those guys are in a position where they've got wealthy families and be like, you know, here's a multi-million dollar business. You can just have it um, Damn. and keep it keep it going. So that's that's sort that's of the a, plan there is just give it to those guys. Holy shit. And what, when you say those guys, like you're just going to give the like hand the company off to. Yeah. Yeah, they can they can just have it and they can. I mean, I, I'll get some rent on the bill. See, I don't have kids. Like if I had kids, it makes sense to like my kid would run the place and then his kid would run the place, but I don't have kids. So I don't really want to leave it to. Yeah. And so I, you know, the place will make me good money, but I'd never get rich off the place. But you know, a couple of generations down the road, you keep it growing. You know, we just, we're picking up other branches, other locations. Um, you know, then, then you got some, you know, you got a multi multi-million dollar asset Damn. that you couldn't have gotten otherwise. Yeah. Right. Um, right. No, it's an interesting, I'd never look, Oh man, I never look at it in that term. That's that's very interesting that you said that. That's yeah. so you're just gonna give it like are you gonna give it to to Mike or like the guys that are in the shop? Like are you gonna split? Like I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Know how to do it. The the idea would be to split it. Among, I know is semi equally. You, you, know, you can't have it equally. Unfortunately, it just doesn't work. Um, yeah. But you know if, if Mike took fifty percent, you divvy the rest up among the remaining how whoever's there. Or, Something that, or maybe Mike gets thirty percent, and the remaining percentage goes to whoever's there. But you right. know, something along those lines. Just to say, here, guys, you can have it. You pay me rent on the building till I die. When I die, you can have the building too. You know, because like I said, I don't have anyone to leave it to. I don't. Even, I mean, I'm, my brother doesn't have any kids, so it's not like there's anywhere for it to go. But on the other hand, what's the point in me like just cashing out? Like, give those guys a leg up. That's interesting, man. That I don't know. That's such a cool. I don't know. I think that's pretty sweet. Did you have any intentions on? owning a, an auto shop no no none at all that was very spontaneous are you much of a car person yeah i do yeah yeah i like cars I, boats more but and planes more but uh yeah no i do 
I, I like the cars. Yeah. We're, you know, we've, I, I enjoy what we do there. Like I said earlier, there's no terrain that stops yeah. Chris Roach. <laughs> yeah. See, the air, he knows it all. <laughs> I don't have a license for a train yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you can drive. So, I mean, you got that beat then. Then no, that would be the next thing—a train. A tra- yeah, a yeah. Local- the thing is, you can't own a train. So you know, you can own a plane, you can own a car, you can own a boat. Yeah. You can't really own a train. Yeah. I don't think. I don't know. Warren Buffett, I guess, owns trains, but I, that's that's out of my league. Way out that's of my whole, league. So that's a whole other ballpark, right there. Yeah. Although you can you can buy a train car. You can buy a train car and pay the freight trains or whatever to haul your ass around the country. Jesus. Yeah. Is that the kind of is that the kind of fuck you money you want? Or just buy a. Yeah, buy a train. Like a couple hundred grand on it. I don't think it's – the cars are only a few hundred thousand, which is not that much. And <laughs> then I guess the you know the trains pull you around. It's a vacation home. You know, it's a vacation <laughs> home, nice boat. And then uh, the trains tow you around and drop you off places, I guess. I don't know. That's hilarious, dude. That's so – what – like why do you have your pilots late? Like how, how did you dip your toe in that? I, I just – I feel like you know it's kind of the same of... way as jiu-jitsu. I just decided when I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And when I, you know, get much younger, and I was like, uh, and I went and did it, and um, that's how I got into jiu-jitsu. Like literally one day, I was like, I, you know, I run the San Diego Marathon, and thought, oh, what am I going to do now? And was it UFC at Buffalo Wild Wings with Stephen Hansen? And thought, God, that, you know, this jiu-jitsu stuff looks pretty fun. I always enjoyed just you know wrestling around, and fighting and stuff. And same thing, just you show up. I mean, everybody had their first day, whatever it is, whether it's jujitsu or being a pilot or being a student or your whatever. Everybody had their first day. Yeah, right. right. You know, everybody had to walk into whatever it was. You had to walk into the hangar. You had to walk into the gym. Everyone had their first day, and it's yeah. You know, decide you want to do it and just go do it. What UFC was it that you watched? Oh, I couldn't even guess. I don't know. Oh, it was. I mean, it was summer of '07. That's when so you started trying. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I thought it. Yep. I thought you were like. 97 guys like you're in back in the day. <laughs> that's what i thought no you were. <laughs> no no not that not that far back i just made a big impression mike oh. and i signed up the same week that's how we that's how we got to be friends oh shit, i think the really? same same day or same the same week for sure might have been the same day oh shit yeah. that's funny everybody has their first day of jiu-jitsu and the they walk out on the mats with basketball shorts and a white t-shirt not knowing yeah. what to expect yeah. well i thought i thought dave and darius were like high level guys back then they're probably Orange belts, I'm guessing, but I, I would kind of admire. I was like, wow, I hope some, I hope I can get as good as they are. Dave and Darius, <laughs> yeah, kind Dave, yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen uh, Darius in forever. I just talked to kind Dave the other day, actually. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I uh, I see those guys like when I I've been going in for cardio kickboxing. I, I won't train on the dummies, and not that there's anything wrong with it, but there's limited spots. Oh, and okay. if I go, that means somebody else doesn't get to go, and there's no point in. Yeah, me as a black belt going and not in some other person not getting to go because I'm in there, so I won't do the dummies for that reason. Yeah, um, but I, I see those guys because they help all the kids' class. Yeah, no, it's it's funny because when like the jujitsu thing is is good because you still get kind of a like a decent workout, but it's different because you can hit something in Muay Thai or kickboxing. You can still mm-hmm. like it seems like the classes haven't changed that much, at least from a fitness kickboxing perspective. Yeah, that's pretty much the same. I, I know for the Thai guys, you guys obviously can't hold pads for each other, but yeah. you know, it's it's still fairly close to what you're doing. You can't spar, which sucks. But um, yeah, it's a little weird. It's I was just telling them the other day. I, I feel like I'm running out of ideas of stuff to do. I'm just kind of rotating the same shit. I taught two black classes on those dummies. I filled in when, when Ben Tolini was out, and uh, I'm driving there thinking, what the hell am I going to show these people on a dummy? And, and actually, 
I you didn't have anything stuff. prepared? You were just thinking of it, like, as you were driving there? Oh, I was, I was walking down the hallway is what I think I thought Holy of it. shit, really? Yeah, no, I had, I was little, and it wasn't that I wasn't trying. I was, I'd been trying since the day before, like, what do you show on a dummy? Yeah. And I don't want to show the same stuff over and over, and I know these guys are seeing a lot of repetitive stuff, and I didn't want to try to do something to do a little bit different, but it's still going to work on a dummy, so, um, yeah, so I figured out some, some, uh, back take stuff i do a lot and so it's some chokes from there that work pretty well on the dummy as well as it can work i guess but yeah right um it's funny because there's yeah. so many different styles of teaching because it's i like i usually have my shit plant like i have a book i write all my my plan into and i kind of loosely follow that book there's like sometimes where i get to class and there's a lot of new guys and i kind of okay well we can't do this because they're not they don't know how to mm-hmm. do xyz you know what i mean but, yeah you just, well, you just walk in like a boss and think of it off the top of your head. <laughs> well, I, I train the same way. I, ro- I roll the same way. You know, Dennis, like a guy like Dennis has a, his whole system. They grab here, I do this, and they and right. it's and it works very well for him. For me, like I don't know what I'm doing until we're a minute underway. Like that's I'm totally winging it the whole time, which is why I don't think I, I can teach very well. I don't not I, one. I don't particularly enjoy it. I don't mind covering a class, but I would never want a routine class. But it's not too like you are an excellent teacher. And I know you, you don't, you're not, <laughs> you're not here to get smoke blown up your ass, but I'm just saying you are an excellent teacher. Well, but I, I'm like I said, I, I think I lost you. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're still there. Okay, there you are. Uh, you were just saying. Yeah, you're sorry, still there. I, I just missed that last that last part. You were saying something about you just kind of walk in at the last minute. Yeah, I can hear you. Well, no, I just I don't like I don't, even when I'm you know guys like this who have a oh yeah and just make it up as like. Yeah. And I just do that. I roll the same way. And I, yeah, I have the same way. I just, I like, nope. I got to be well. Yeah. Plan. <laughs> totally winging it. Yeah. When kinda I like, it's kind of life goes. Like, I'm just making up as I go. Yeah. No, totally. There's, you know, it's funny is in jujitsu, there seems to be those two different guys, right? There's the guy that has, like, if this person does A, I do B. If they do B, I do C. If they do C, I do D, right? They have a, like, a plan. I have. I'm the same way though. When I grapple, I have. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing half the time. <laughs> like I don't know what I'm doing. I, it's based on whatever. Yeah. No, I, me neither. Yeah. It's very much off the the tip of my hat, I guess. I don't know. When it comes to jiu-jitsu, teaching that. Yeah. Whole well, it's, it's a lot of. I think it's the confidence that you'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, but it's the confidence that you'll figure it out. Like I know I'll figure it out. So, and it's like I said, really the same way with life. Like, I, I'm just going to do it and I'm going to figure it out. And somehow it always works out. <laughs> it always works out because you're just buying a bunch of different companies up. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're, you're there. You're just kind of winging it. I, I think that's part of what, what, what works. And just, you're, you're, I'm flexible. We'll, we'll figure it out as we go together. So, you, you much rather just train than teach, then, huh? Oh, I need, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I would never want to teach full time. To you, like teach like like Dennis does, where you have a every Monday, Wednesday, or a set class, or like Ben has every you know Monday through Friday his his own. Like I would never, yeah. I, the, to come up with stuff and to, yeah, just no thanks. I, I much prefer just just doing it. Yeah, right, right. No, just everybody's a little bit different. You've you've actually been able to like 
travel a bunch and also train. Yeah, well, that's what that's what really kept it so interesting. Like, I, I do get bored when I'm home for too long. I, I love traveling and training, and whether it's the great, you know, like a Marcelo Garcia's or Phil Magrises or or some little hole in the wall place in the middle of nowhere, like it's always a great time. It's always fun. Um, and same thing, like I'll roll into town and just Google that town BJJ, like just just winging it. I have no, I don't look them up ahead of time. I just Dude. I just go and if there's two, I just pick one. Same thing, Chris. So you you were the one that inspired me when I would go to places and be like, oh, I'll just I'll just try this out. And I would do the same thing where I would just type in the town and mm-hmm. do BJJ and see what pops up. And that was how I ran into, um, I forget his name in Rochester, uh, Chris Herzog's school. Chris Herzog, yeah. yeah uh, sure. I did uh, Muay Thai at, uh, at his school. Fantastic. With, uh, what was that guy's name? Chris? It's Chris Herzog and then uh, his Muay Thai instructor. Oh, Walt. Walter? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know Walter at all. I know Anyways. Chris. Yeah, I got to do that. And then, like, when Brittany and I went to the Poconos, we went to a school down over there. And it's kind of cool to see the the differences in schools and kind of realize how nice it is that we have, like, a locker room in <laughs> and a shower. Oh, you know? Yeah, when I first started traveling um... – yeah, yeah, I was blown away by the conditions some people train in. Like, no, no locker room at all. Right. Small, little, shitty space with a crappy mat. And, but the interesting thing was they're all having just as much fun. Whether 100%. you're in, whether you're in the nicest, like Marcelo Garcia's bathroom is like every midtown Manhattan, marble floors, all this crazy stuff. And it, you go to some middle of nowhere place, they're having just as much fun. Like, the, it made me realize the conditions don't really matter. Right. It's. It's the fact that they're all just training jujitsu, and the people that train jujitsu, it's it's a varied walk of life of people, right? It's like police officers, felons. Mm-hmm. No, look at our own place, you know. Yeah, right, right, and it's a Hi. great, yeah, a great mix of of people, and they're all just having fun. It's funny they say that because now that you say that, I I can see the threads between the places that I've trained because I've trained in like a spot that had a a designated jujitsu match and it was really like a boxing gym. It, they didn't really designate jujitsu, but everybody had mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the amount of fun you have is universal. Yeah. What, uh, what's one of like the favorite schools you got to go to? Well, you know, the easy answer is always right? Marcellos. Yeah. But they're all Marcellos is like jujitsu heaven just cause yeah. it's, everyone's there. Everyone's doing it. It's a great atmosphere. He, and he's such a great character and great personality that he just lights up the room. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know. That's a, I get that question a lot. I can't really, it's a tough one to answer because they're all great in their own ways. I will say the first place that I ever trained was at, um, this place called Helsing Gracie, Cleveland. They're still there. They've moved since to a really nice facility since the first time I was there. They used to be next to a bar in a strip mall and it was just these shitty mats. Um, but they were so much fun. And I mean, laughed till we teared. There was a big, big old like Cleveland black guy he was a prison guard i think he was, or, or sheriff he was just a tough like street cleveland guy training there and he's like a, he's a purple belt which especially considered back then was was like a one-stripe yeah. black belt now right and he was rolling with this brand new guy he'd signed up like that week little skinny white kid white belt and mark the guy who owns the place who has a fantastic sense of humor goes hey i, I can't remember the black guy's name like hey reggie on the guy's application, he put down that he doesn't like black people. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, these people also have my sense of humor. Oh, <laughs> like, <my God. laughs> 
god. Yeah, it was uh, like they were just they they laughed and they joked and and that's that was really what was always so fun about it was every place I went was you know just the, the most fun genuine funny bunch of people. Yeah, yeah. Right. Was it that well, school he, in particular that was that was genuine or? Or he's talking in like a broad term, like all no, the- just in in general. Even when we were down in Dominican Republic training, um, they don't even speak English, but like you, you'd still like they're super friendly. They right. they just everywhere I go, it treats like family. I think there's a lot of if you're doing jujitsu, at least this, back then, it's becoming a little less true now, and that's not a good or bad thing. It's just a just a change of times, really. Um, there used to be a, like a common personality trait that was drawn to it, and I've never been able to put my finger on it, but. You know, whether you're conservative or liberal or educated or not or cop or criminal, like there was a common personality thread that ran through us all that brought us there and kept us there. And now, like I said, I think you're, you're not seeing that as much anymore. It's it's going more mainstream. And it's more suburbanites who kind of like, oh, let's, let's take a jiu-jitsu lesson and they what sign was, up. What but, was the main thread that ran through? That's the thing. I've never been able to put my finger on it. I think it's uh, I think it's like 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 you're I always put it. Like, you know, if you've ever seen the Blind Melon video where the girl's in the bee costume and everywhere she goes, she's like, ah, this just isn't like me. And then she finds the other place with the other bees and is like, oh, my God, this is like this is what I've been looking for all my life. And, right. it's kind of, and I think some people probably find that through religion. Like they're just they never yes. feel easy anywhere. And then they find this whatever yeah. religion and they're like, oh, OK, these are this is what I've been looking for all my life. And yeah, that's it's the sense of community. And I yeah. think that is really starting to to kind of change and alter because I would just read on the internet that um, the attendance of churches are starting to plummet and less and less people are showing up to masses and yada, yada, yada. But I just think people are finding a, uh, their sense of community in different ways, right? Jiu-jitsu yeah. or, um, I mean, Jesus, there, you go online, you could find a subreddit for anything, you know? You could find a group of people that are that really enjoy doing the same thing that, that you're doing. And I, I think it's just getting bigger and bigger with, with the internet, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it is, it is like, you know, what, what attracts people to one religion over another, what makes you want to join this cult over that cult or, you know, <laughs> be a Jehovah's witness over, no, not, you know, Jehovah's witness over a seventh day Adventist or whatever. Like, you know, yeah, right. I don't know there's something in them, but yeah, no, I don't know. Jiu two people always, they're always kind of the misfits Yeah, and you find this, family that that i don't know just uh it's a good sense of it, it's, it's just interesting because it's because you are grappling with somebody and essentially if they didn't tap right you could you pretty much kill them right there's, there's yeah no, right that's the yeah, no whole point that's like that you're not like you're not playing guitar until somebody taps and dies like you're not trying to kill them with it i mm-hmm. don't know it's just it's a different kind of different kind of martial art you know i guess yeah. humbling i guess it, it, well, it is very humbling because you know I, I I can go on the mat and you know unless Ed Brazley or Steve <laughs> Overins there pretty much steamroll most of them, um, and then go somewhere else and you're the bottom of the barrel. Like yeah. I, it, you know, uh, I always say that there's a guy in Rhode Island. I, I think his name is Jimmy Connor. I hope I'm remembering that right. But um, he trained under Tim Burrell. He'd never compete. You'd never see his name anywhere. It probably isn't even if you look him up now, going to pop up anywhere. The guy was an animal. He was he was as good as like a Phil Miglerese. The guy was just unbelievably Did good. He and compete? as no, no, he never competes. Just you know, just but they got a few schools over there. So oh, okay. you know, he travels around to the different schools and teaches classes. And the guy is just a freaking animal. Um, and it, you realize like, okay, I'm 
one of the better guys at my gym. And then you go to some other gym in Providence, Rhode Island, and there's a guy there that'll just eat your lunch. No problem. Right. And you'll smile and laugh, but you're like, holy shit, this guy, there's, these guys yeah. are out there and you don't even know. Right. I mean, it, it, that's the thing, like with the competition world, it, it's interesting because they're on display, but you realize like there's, there's guys in gyms that'll kill all these guys. I always thought yeah. that was like a, was like a John Jones character. Like John Jones is just, I mean, no one ever really even gave him any resistance. He just, he steamrolled pretty much everyone they put in front of him. Right. And the ones that, you know, like Gustafson or whatever, who it was a, it was a good fight. But John, it's like there's someone out there just training in a gym who will kill John Jones. There has to be. Yeah, right. And and so you you realize like it's good. You're at the top, and then you look up, and you're like, oh my god, there's a whole nother realm up there. There's a whole nother level. There's yeah. levels to this, and it's the same. And dude, I had that kind of thing when in real estate too. When you you do a deal with an agent, and you're like, holy shit, this person. They are. They know their shit a lot more than I do. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you you go with somebody who's experienced. You know, or in in Muay Thai when you start sparring with somebody who's has better footwork than you or something, you're like, holy shit! There's so many fucking levels of this, and I don't think you get that unless yeah. you start traveling to an extent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I was at uh, there's a guy named Noel Smith who runs a great gym down in Baltimore, and uh, I think he's in Glen Burnie outside Baltimore now, but he used to be kind of right on the edge of the city of Baltimore. And so they were, they, I had stayed for a jiu-jitsu class there and rolled and then stayed for their MMA class. And there was a, a kid that came in and you start on your feet. So the, the deal was you like start on your feet for a minute and a half. Then you had takedowns, but you're back on your feet. And then it was takedowns and grappling. It's basically like an MMA match. And I don't, I mean, I don't have great hands. We don't have the worst hands in the world. And I was pretty experienced. And this kid is just tagging me at will. And then I'd take him down, and as soon as we hit the ground, it was like kind of game over. Right. And and he hadn't fought, he hadn't competed anywhere. Well, I shouldn't say that. He hadn't he hadn't done an MMA fight yet. And I was so afterwards, I was like, God, I go, your hands are. I mean, your hands are pretty good. He's like, Yeah, I've got twenty five professional Muay Thai fights. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, so oh, that's that why <laughs> that clears it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right. And then you take him down. It's like a it's a baby panicking. Yeah, and so it's you know then you're kind of in my world. But on the feet, I was like. You know, and again, not anyone you've ever heard of, not not yeah. a guy you're going to Google and be like, oh, my God, that's him. Um, right. Same with same, Robert Drysdale's. There was a uh, this guy who ran the Saturday day class. Um, Manny something was his name. And I was like, again, never heard of him. And then you you realize he lost to by an advantage to Keenan Cornelius like a week before that. Like, oh, oh Jesus shit. Christ, you're you're like you're top of the top here. Right. Right. And here you are. So, you're teaching the kids class. Yeah, yeah, and they're and they're out there. They're out there and everything. I know, isn't it wild to think that? I always wonder, like those people that are at the top. I wonder if, you know, there's the term like gym class hero. Mm-hmm. Like they're the best in the gym. I mean, you, you always have the you're like wonder if there's somebody out there who's been training way harder and is just ready to get. Like they got to be out there. I mean, it's probably not they are. Ready, yeah, you know. Yeah, but there's. Well, I know there's a lot of people who do jiu-jitsu who just don't like to compete. Which That's is fine, really yeah. Compete or don't compete. Rules. Yeah. Well, like I said, that guy Jimmy put him on the mat against anyone, Keenan, Marcelo, anyone, Phil Bigler. I mean, he's yeah. going to give him a run. I don't know if he's going to win or not, but he's like he's that level, and you'll yeah. never see his name anywhere. It's interesting, right? Some people just like to do it for, just for as a as a practice. Other people want to do it as a competition. Yeah. Well, it's your thing to do. You know, my wife Barb always. Uh, we kind of get into that. Like it's like, Oh, should I do this? Or should I do that? Like, this is your thing to do. I compete. Don't compete. 
you know, train seven days a week, train one day a month. Like it's, this is your art. This is, and this is your journey. Yeah. I have no say over how you do that. Interesting. Interesting. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I think some people get caught up in the, if you do it, you need to compete every, like constantly or, or nah, I'm not going to compete ever. Like I, there's different train of thought, I guess. Yeah. Do what you want. Like, yeah. Like Sam McCall, like go compete. He loves it. That's what he all, or Emil yeah. Fish, like just go do that. That If that's what you like to do, go do it. Yeah, and right. if somebody else never wants to do it, don't, I mean, I've, I've done them. I don't enjoy competition and the traveling thing really kind of sopped that out of me. Cause you, now you Why are competing that? at all these different, well, because you go in, especially a bigger guy. And I was like, a, you know, purple belt, I think it was a blue belt. And I started traveling them, but, um, still you know bigger guy and, and you get to travel the entire country and go into gyms and roll against their guys so like you you part of competition is you get to find out like what you're good at and what you're not good at like yeah. that's a good time to get exposed um and get some you know because you get into these ruts like i you know you roll with the same guys over and over and it's yeah. almost the same match over and over and pattern. so you part of the reason you go compete is to get some exposure to different people and different styles and um you know, when you're getting that like four days a week when I'm working, that's, that does it for me. And then yeah. you go to do a competition and you're, you're hot, then you're cold, then, you know, you're next up and oh no, your, your opponent dropped out. And then, so you go on one mat and then it's simultaneously they're calling you another mat and you realize like, oh, this is kind of, I don't like this. This is stupid. This is a lot of time and a lot of money for absolutely no enjoyment. Yeah. Um, and I, when you travel to, and especially with somebody who's as big as you, I would feel as if the gyms would try to put the biggest guy. <laughs> oh, I get that. Yeah, no. And it's, and it, you know, again, it's never like, it sounds like they're challenging you. They're not, they're just, but you don't get a big brown belt or a big black belt now just walking into your place all the time. So yeah. the instructor wants to roll and then the other instructor wants to roll. And then oh, this guy's going to yeah. get his black belt next, you know, next year. And you roll with it. So you kind of, you just inherently, Andrew Smith on Richmond, Virginia had this, it was like kind of like a shark tank, uh, but it was open to anyone. It was an hour on like a Wednesday afternoon or something like from like two to three. It was an odd time, but um, anyone who's trying to show up, it was an hour roll, no stopping. It was like 30 seconds between rounds. And of course, you know, there's like 20 people there, everyone from white belt women to black belt males and some, he's got some high level females too. But um, so I'm going, I get, Andrew Smith himself. And then they get this other guy, Andrew, um, God, I can't remember his last name, but he was another, he was a black belt and he was amazing. He taught me a few things I still use to this day. Um, and then you get the big brown belt and then you get a big purple belt and then you get another big brown belt. It's like, can I just get a freaking blue belt girl over here for <laughs> one round? Like, I don't know. It's just, see, I'm tired. See, you being a bigger guy, that's, that's what they're going to do. They're going to throw you the big people. When I walk yeah, in, which is fine. Mike and I, we went to, uh, um, we went to Toronto a couple years back, and we trained yeah. at, uh, man, I, for the life of me, I can't remember. Greatest group of guys. But, you know, they're not going to throw me against their biggest guy. They're going to say, hey, the kids' class starts at 4 o'clock. I'll see you there. You yeah. Know, pat me on the shoulder. <laughs> was it was it a multi-floor? Was it like three different floors, the place you went to? Yes, actually. Okay, that's, that's Toronto BJJ. There's an Asian kid there. He's a purple belt, and he's as good as any black belt I've ever rolled with. And really? it's funny because when you talk to people about going to Toronto BJJ, everyone will be like, oh, did you get that Asian purple belt kid? Like, oh. yeah, I did. He armbarred me. Like, the kid's just a just a beast. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what his name is. He didn't really speak much English, but he is incredible. That's funny. Now I got to look him up because I can't remember. 
Oh shit! Yeah, dude, I think that was it. Toronto BJJ. Yeah, there's that. And there's a inner city MMA. I think it's called, which sounds real hood, but it's actually real. Like it's a lot of uh, medical doctors from the hospital, which is like a block away, and it's it's a real cool place too. Yeah, and I, uh, you were right though. It was like very. It was different. It I think the mat dressing level. rooms in the basement. Yeah, I don't. Maybe it wasn't that one. Then now I'm trying to. Anyways, I could be even wrong too. I mean, yeah, no, it's it was a a great spot, and like you said though, we went at a kind of a odd time, so there there wasn't like a lot of people rolling there. Mm-hmm. there. It was Spooches, me, and I think like five other purple belts. Oh, that's what mm-hmm. it was. It was an advanced open mat, and I was oh, a okay. blue belt at the time, and Mike was maybe a purple belt it doesn't really matter but when i walked in we're like hey guys we're here for the open mat and they're like oh didn't nobody told you that's an advanced open mat and then we were like oh shit no we could we'll show up at a different time they're like nah screw it you guys travel out of town come come step up yeah it's fine no big deal they're all nice they're all nice people nobody yeah i didn't get uh, the, i didn't get the 250 pound guy over and over and over again like you like you would have to you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, no, which is great, but eventually it's like, guys, I need a break. Like you, you've got me. I, I, yeah, they, yeah. There was some country singer. I forget. It was like Buck Owens or something like that. Like he would come to your town. Everyone wanted to get drunk with Buck Owens, but then the next day you go back to your job. He's got to go to another town where everyone wants to get drunk with Buck Owens. It's oh, like, oh yeah. You know, I, I tomorrow I'll be at another gym taking on all their biggest guys too. Yeah, like yeah. you'll be back here. You can stay home. Right. Like, what's the game um, plan for a big guy versus uh, a little guy like me? If if I don't know you or my own gym, if I if you don't know me, like do you have a game plan? Oh, I always I always I always let them pick the path. Like I I don't I don't ever want to be that guy that shows up and tries to like just antagonize and hurt everybody. Like I I totally let the other person dictate how it's going to go. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. No, that's uh, that's one of the cooler things when you get to travel. It's you kind of see a broad scope of people Mm -hmm. and different uh, techniques. Yeah. But yeah, you let like you know you let them pick how it's gonna go, and that you know back to business. It's like I'll let you pick how this is gonna go, and yeah. and same with jujitsu. I try and like I, I'm like I'm gonna give you options, um, but I'm gonna try and make all of them shit options. Like they're. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'm gonna. Let I mean, you I have. The options, I'm gonna have. Yeah, but they're all gonna be shit. Yeah, they all they all result in me winning. <laughs> That's funny. Do you have a uh, one teacher? that you got to learn from that you think you kind of took the most out of? No, I can't. I, you pick up, like I said, that guy, Andrew Silver down at, I mean, uh, some of the stuff I got from him at Andrew Smith's place in Richmond was great. I, you pick up little stuff here and there. There's no one person. Mm. Um, Phil Midler-East's attitude definitely has, has made a big impression on me. And, and Ken has that kind of attitude too. I've gotten a lot of the, those, like their philosophies on it and their attitude towards it. And then the, just their attitude on, on life. I've learned um, Ken's actually just you know my, like management style. I've learned learned a lot from Ken and how he and yeah and and Phil um, yeah. I mean as far as moves, everyone shows you cool shit or some things you come up on your own. Yeah, but it's more like the philosophy on it, which then translates back to how that goes to your normal life outside jujitsu. That has been the most beneficial. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one. I when somebody starts talking about philosophies in jujitsu, I'm always bringing it back to life i'm always trying to how can i relate this <laughs> to the current uh, shit i'm going through 
Yeah, no, I always like my number one rule in jujitsu is like just try and get to the next better position, and that's what I always tell like brand new people. Like, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to them because you know, after a month it'll make some sense, but the first day it doesn't. But the point is always like wherever I am, whether I'm in the worst possible position or the best one, just try and get to the next better. Like, just try and advance your position, try and get to a better spot. And I am perpetually thinking that in business and everyday life. Like, does this next thing I'm going to do get me closer to where I want to be, or not? And if it's the answer's not, I don't do it. Yeah, it's bringing it back where you would negotiate with somebody and you said, "Look, if this is what you want to do, then we'll do it. But if not, then we're going to cancel the deal right here." Yeah, yeah, I'm not holding a gun to your head. So yeah, right. Um, no, does this get us closer? Does this get you closer to where you want to be? Because buying this gets me closer to where I want to be. Yeah. Does it get you closer to where you want to be right. or not? Because and if the answer's no, you shouldn't do it. Right. No, that's funny. Look at that. You brought it back full circle now. I know. How about that? Holy shit, dude. Damn. Ah, man, this was a cool podcast. This was, it was cool just to sit and we always talk after jujitsu. Like we're always on the mat and we just chit chat about random shit, but never Mm -hmm. for a fucking hour, you know? Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. Well, um, I didn't, I didn't know if I could talk for an hour. I know. I don't, I don't ever really talk this much. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of nice because it's, uh, Moose, I mean, Mike, I, I play video games with him, right? So I, I talk, I'll talk to him for like two hours sometimes mm-hmm. when we, we just go back and forth and shoot the shit. But when it's somebody like you, when we're good friends, but for an hour, we never sat down and talked for a whole hour. I haven't talked to anyone for an hour. I've been married to Barbara for 15 years. I don't think we've talked for an hour straight. <laughs> I mean, I love her more than anything in the world, but I don't, I just, I'm not, I'm not talking to him. Like, she'll ask me how my day was. And you're like, like, good. It was fine. That's good. <laughs> Dude, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, no, it was interesting being on here. You know, when I first started listening to podcasts, they were it was like listening to a speaker phone through another phone. And when I heard <laughs> yeah. yours, I was like, oh, wow, the technology's really come a long way. The audio's yeah. good. And yeah, definitely, no, no I, was, I enjoyed it. Yeah, the nice thing is it's uh, – you could really – people think it's a very complicated system, but it's actually really – it's really easy to do. But back like, you know, eight years ago, it was it was a very – complicated thing thank god for technology mm-hmm. to make it listen i just record this i rip the audio i do an intro boom put it out there yeah that's it it's maybe, right. maybe a half hour of extra invested time after this conversation yeah yeah a friend of mine makes youtube videos and it's the same way he like cuts them out zooms them in you're like oh wow okay so interesting what kind of youtube videos does he do not to derail you but um just like just very generic uh you know, he did like uh, how to go skiing, how to join the military, how to just 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 oh, shit, little tidbits cool. on life. Yeah. I love how people he, just put out like content now. People are just like making well, shit to put out there. I think he did it more to learn how to use the editing and like mm. dub in music and yep. zoom in, zoom out. Like it was more about the technical side of it than the actual content. I think yeah, that's yeah. what appealed to him. Right. So. Yeah, no, that's uh, the uh, real estate videos I do when I get a listing. I do like a whole a whole video walk through presentation whatever you want to call it uh and it's cool like messing around with the the technology you get better with it the more and more you use it the more you get like pretty intuitive with that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so it's cool getting Mm -hmm. getting a handle on that stuff i still think you should dress the color of the house you're selling (laughs) i want i'm really color coordinate Corey. it was funny when you said that i was like holy shit i did match the house yeah i was like maroon and gray you're wearing maroon shirt and gray pants like wow that's i think i'm onto something here The color coordinated agent. I don't. I don't. Man, I just. I. I see people like Billy Fasillo, like you know, like the, 
they, they're on an identity, you know, like mm-hmm. huge top. Like, I don't want to be that salesman. I don't want it to be, I don't, no, I don't want this, it to be about me. You know, it's not about me. This is about the house. Yeah. You know? Like, well, I feel like some know, people have that like thing, but I don't know. Maybe yeah, it's I mean, a personal I, issue. I've dealt with a lot of real estate agents over the years and 90% of them completely suck. Yeah. So if you could just be good, yeah. you'll, you'll do great. Right, yeah. and that's that's all it is. Just <laughs> this is like this is like a Ben Tallini class. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, just don't just suck at it. <laughs> just don't suck, and you'll be the best. No, no but it's, it's true. It's, Listen, you know, it's dude, like a lot of things. Real estate, you take a seventy-five hour course, and guess what? You can you can sell a house. It's you don't do it all at once, do you? What? So it's seventy-five continuous hours, right? <laughs> no sleep. You just do the whole thing together. No, so that well, that's the that's the tough thing. You know, there's some jobs you have to go to school for fucking four years for. You know, this one you you take a seventy-five hour course. Look, you can sell my one of my biggest assets in my life, and there's mm-hmm. going to be some terrible people at it. There's going to be people who are awful at communication skills. There's going to be people who can't negotiate. There's going to be people. You know, that's just yeah. that's how life is. Ten percent of it's going to suck. But maybe yeah, in your well, field, it sounds like it's more ninety percent suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just just like like Ben says, just don't suck. Just don't suck, and yeah. be better just, at it. How just about try. That, Corey? Yeah. And however good you think you are, you can be better. I just want to take a second to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Corey Cast. The love and support since I started this podcast has been nothing but incredible. Make sure you follow, rate, review the podcast. It would mean a lot to me. And if you share anything from the podcast, just use the hashtag CoreyCast. Thank you for your time, and I appreciate you guys. Love you all very much. Bye.